they continually devoted themselves to prayer. For those who may be visiting with us today and may not be aware, we are in the second part of a two-part series on prayer in line with the goals for 213 for Fellowship Bible Church to improve the prayer life of believers in the local assembly as well as improve our prayer life as an entire assembly collectively. In the first message, we concentrated on individual prayer and the importance of prayer, and we memorized, as a congregation last week, though many of you have done it before, we memorized Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. The very first word gave us the passage, and it was the word ask. So we are going to test your memorization this morning, and if you weren't here, you're going to learn it pretty quickly. Let's repeat Matthew 7, 7 by using the word ask, and let's do it together. A, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and it will, and knock, and it will be open to you. Very good. Ask, seek, and knock. And we tried to drill that into our heads. We did try memorization as a congregation last week. We saw that God wants us to come to him in prayer and to pray to him. Today, the emphasis on the second part of the two-part series is on corporate prayer. And I will say honestly and openly right away, that will probably turn some people off immediately, particularly men. You say, what are you talking about? The concept often is lost today. Though it would be a side issue for us to spend a lot of time on it, the concept of the local church is becoming diminished and diminished and diminished and diminished. People want to talk about the collective body of Christ, but then they want to go do their own thing. And even though they will talk universal church and connection to people all over the world, they're still doing their own thing. And they don't see the connection. And that is also in the area of prayer. It is very important to pray and to pray by yourself, to pray individually and to pray as a family. But by God's own design, the body, the local body, is not understood properly if you do not see a need to come together to pray. Because God had an emphasis on that as well. We need to see that we need to have corporate prayer. I have over the years seen many situations, and I say particularly men because it's true, that even when there is a prayer meeting or when there is collective prayer, they don't want to come out. Now, there's legitimate situations because of work sometimes, our circumstances, I'm not dealing with that. But it's been many a situation that I have experienced as a pastor in talking with men that they feel uncomfortable with praying with others. Well, you need to learn to be comfortable. In fact, it is clearly instructed in church, uh, in the scriptures, that the men are to take the lead in holding up hands to pray when they're together. And we need men that are not ashamed to do that. I have seen situations where men say, I can't pray in public, and then you ask them about their prayer life, or you observe them, and they don't even pray. They can't even lead their families in prayer because they put on a good show and they talk a good game, but they're not ready to even be involved. Corporate prayer, we will see, and the coming together of the body to prayer is a need. In fact, I was listening to a tape. It had nothing to do with the subject where I'm dealing with it, but it did have everything to do with prayer. 
and it was talking about prayer in the Old Testament. And it was interesting because then the comment was made that there really is no, or very limited is what was said, very limited even instruction in scripture on praying for yourself. That the whole concept is always to include the body when praying and to be praying for one another and to be involved in people's lives. And the concept to pull away and be just involved only in private prayer is a concept that really is not taught. Even the Lord Jesus Christ spent his time with his disciples and taught them to pray. He prayed publicly on many an occasion. And so we need to get over that and we need to see what the scriptures say and be involved. Now, when we're talking about corporate prayer or coming together for corporate prayer, that does not mean that individual prayer is not important or powerful. In fact, James chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, and I'll give you the reference, but without turning there, it tells us very clearly about the effectual prayer of a fervent, the fervent uh, uh, effectual prayer of a, a righteous man availeth much. That passionate, energetic prayer uh, that belongs to the people of God is powerful, and it does accomplish a lot. We see that in the life of people like Elijah, who's mentioned in James. We see it in people like Hannah, David, Daniel, Nehemiah, Peter in Acts chapter 9 raised Tabitha from the dead. So the prayer of one individual is very important. So when we're talking about corporate prayer, seeing as we already have as the foundation individual prayer, I'm not ignoring that. We talk about corporate prayer. We're not saying that by coming together and having more people, now God will listen, but he won't listen to the individual. We're not saying that at all. Not at all. Nor by coming together, maybe if we have more people, we can bend God's ear a little bit more, and now he'll listen to us. That's not what we're saying at all. What we are dealing with is the fact that it is also a pattern in the New Testament to come together as a body, to pray for the body, and we've done that today. We prayed for missionaries, and we pray for missionaries around the world. We've prayed for others. We pray for families. That is important, and we need to see that as a church. It is important to be coming together and to be praying for one another. And so quickly with the time I have, and to just address it, tried to do it the most efficient way that we could, at least that I could think of, and that is, I want you to see that right away in Acts chapter 1, the pattern was established. It was established immediately in the New Testament in the passage that I just read. In the context, Jesus had just left them in verses 9 to 11. He had ascended back to his heavenly Father. They were given specific instruction. What was it? They were to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. They weren't even told to pray for that, by the way. We talk about what were they praying for. They were just simply told to wait because the Holy Spirit's going to come, and when he comes, you will be empowered. A number of commentaries that I read said that they probably were praying for the Holy Spirit. I don't think so, because they were instructed to wait for that. They were probably praying for one another and everything else. Why? Because how were they to communicate with the Lord Jesus Christ now? He had instructed them. In John chapters 14 and 16, which we studied already on Sunday mornings, he told them that they were to come to him and ask, and whatever they asked in his name they would provide because it was necessary for him to go back to the Father, which he just did, and it, until he went back, the Holy Spirit would not come. And in the meantime, what they were to do is they were to communicate to him and they were to talk to him through prayer. 
And what you see immediately after his leaving was there were a small body to begin with. They were the outcasts, if you will, because the Jewish religion had rejected their Messiah. They had rejected Christianity, and there was a small group, and they needed one another, just like we need one another. In fact, the book of Proverbs, which is studying on Sunday nights, says this, that the man who wants to isolate himself is a fool, and he will not succeed. It's interesting. But coming back to this section on prayer, it was very clear. Decisions for them had to be made, and it's going to be made very shortly. Who is to replace Judas? They needed to pray about that. How were they to choose leadership? They needed to be in prayer about that. Where were they to go from here? What were they to do? Right now, they needed to wait for the Holy Spirit. And then what was going to happen when persecution came? How were they going to provide for one another? All of these things were legitimate questions. How would the gospel go forward? And they needed to pray. It's interesting because there's 120 of them. Look at verse 15. At this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren, uh, a gathering of about 120 persons were there together, men and women, you'll notice, from verse 14. So they were all together, 121 of them, and they established prayer. They were praying. They were in unity. How do we know that? Verse 14. They were of one mind. They were set on this. They knew they had to pray. They knew they couldn't be independent. The 120 didn't walk off. Now, granted, it was the only local assembly they had. And today, there are many local assemblies. But today, people are just trying to establish even more of them, and more of them, and more of them. But they had available, and they saw the need to be with one another. They couldn't just be independent. And they had one mind. There was unity there. We've talked on unity. They were together. They needed each other. They had to depend upon each other. And it says that one of the things they were involved in is they were continually devoting themselves to prayer. They tarried in prayer. That's what this means. They remained in prayer. They literally clung to one another in prayer. Prayer was a vital part of their being together. They devoted themselves to it. They saw the necessity. Yes, it was important to pray individually, but to be together was so, so important. I want you to look at just a couple of other texts right away. Go with me to Hebrews. We'll go look at two texts. Go to Hebrews chapter 10 first. Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, this is one of the reasons why we're trying to make the corporate opportunity for prayer efficient and trying to get it so it's all adults and children and all the way down so that we see the importance and we drill that importance. By the way, I'll come back to this. I just taught in uh, Sunday school dealing with the men as leaders and so forth. If you don't show the importance of corporate prayer, why do you think that we're losing generations? They say, well, we're losing generations because we're not in keen to them and we're not dealing with the music and all of this. Really? I'll give you another alternative. They're not seeing it in the dads. They don't see the dads as seeing the spiritual importance of reading, of studying. The dads don't see the importance of coming together as a corporate body. Do you expect the children to do that? If you don't, or your wife, or your spouse, and so forth, right? 
In chapter 10, look at verses 19 to 25. Very familiar passage, but I want you to see it. Therefore, brethren, since we have watched the context of this, the confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Christ. What is that? That is prayer. Verse 20. By a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil of his flesh. That is, we can come right to him. 21. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, what does he tell us to do? Let us draw near with sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed uh, with pure water. That's talking about prayer. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And look at this. Let us consider how to stimulate one another. You can't do that if you're not together. To love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together. That is in the context of going before the throne of grace. And yet, people don't see the importance. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 basically calls for the same thing, to go and to find help in time of need. And 1 Thessalonians 3, which is another passage that I have. But I want you to see that that was a pattern that was established right away as soon as the Lord Jesus Christ left. People saw the need to come together to pray. There is less and less of that going on today around the world in Christianity. Although I say that, having visited other parts of the world, you'll be amazed. I was talking to a missionary recently and somebody else recently regarding how they love to come together for the word. And you know what else they love in other parts of the world? To come together as a body to pray. They see the need for it. I have it's a pattern for leadership. Turn with me, and we just have so much time to deal with it. But go to Acts chapter 6. Acts, Acts chapter 6. Let me tell you what I mean by we see the early pattern established that is coming together. And you can argue all you want about the building and everything else that you have for excuses and so forth. The point is the body needs to come together. And part of it's to pray. That's part of our worship. In leadership, it should be important. In Acts chapter 6, I want to get right to the heart of it. Get down to verse 4. A problem existed with the Hellenistic Jews there and not being provided for. But I want you to notice what it, the apostles said in verse 4. We will devote ourselves to what? Come on. Prayer. And to the ministry of the word. It was an essential part and should be the essential part of leadership. What? To study the word and also to pray. And I want you to notice that this is a good passage of why the pastor doesn't do everything. Because even with this situation, they didn't want to be called away from preaching the word or prayer. They wanted to concentrate so much on that, they had to delegate these other things to be done. We need the whole body functioning. Leaders need to know the word. They also need to depend upon God for guidance and to seek his guidance. And that's why prayer. Leadership should be praying. What about in the selection of others to serve or to commission others to, to, to things? Well, just continue on. And so the statement found approval for the whole congregation. And then they went and they, they gave them guidelines. They went and chose men, verse 6. And these they brought before the apostles. And after doing what? They prayed. 
even in commissioning others. They got the people involved in even the selection, and they still prayed. And the leadership prayed, and they, they gave their approval to what God was doing. So not only for the leadership, but even in the selection and the commissioning of others. I'll be honest with you, even as I studied this and other things, I, I came to this thought, and I'm going to just say it publicly. I wonder if we should not, even as a church and even as elders, begin to consider that anytime someone's going into uh, a leadership as a director or over a ministry, we ought to pray. We ought to get together and pray with them and spend the time. We just had some new deacons come in. We ought to be spending the time to pray that the Lord would lie, guide them and give them direction as a director. Maybe we ought to be doing more of that. It's the idea of getting coming together. How about even politically? We've got an election coming up. I'm not going to turn to this for time, but 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. We ought to be lifting up, and that's where it says the men should be taking the lead. Why does it have to say the men should be taking the lead? You look at the context, it talks about the men and the women. There's different roles. And it's talking about it in a public setting, that they ought to be taking the lead in praying even for our leadership in government, that we lead the type of life that we should. Prayer should be a vital thing for us as a church, not just for us individually. It was a pattern when there were trials. Turn with me to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Did I skip a part here? Yeah, I did. A pattern and blessing. I didn't cover that, did I? No. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. We'll come back to Acts chapter 12 in a minute. I'm trying to get this all in in time. My apologies. How about the pattern during blessing? Now, I don't know about you, but I will speak my mind as to sometimes what happens with me, and I think it can happen to us even as a church, when the Lord's blessing, oftentimes we don't pray as much as we should. We just take for granted things. But I want you to know that this was a pattern in the early church, not only in chapter 1, but we see it again in chapter 2, when the Lord was blessing them. What do you mean? Verse 41 of chapter 2. So then those who had received this word were baptized, <clears throat> and that day were added how many? 3,000 souls. There was 120 approximately. Now you've got 3,000 added. I would say that's a pretty good blessing. Anybody here that would feel we wouldn't be blessed if next week we walked in here and there were you plus 3,000 that had just come to Christ? Wouldn't, that, wouldn't we say, praise the Lord, look what he's done? Of course we would. And what did they do? 3,000 people just got saved. Put it into context. They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't. We do. They didn't. They had not faced a lot of persecution yet. They were about to. There was no time, I thought about this one, by Acts chapter 2, there were no time for church divisions. Nobody had their own little clubs and nobody had their own little problems and you didn't even have all of that. And yet, they needed prayer. They needed one another. How do we know that? Verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to several things. What? The apostles' doctrine, a teaching. Yes, good. Fellowshipping. You can't do that without being together. Breaking of bread. Good. And what else? One more thing. Prayer. Early church. Pattern still continuing. They're being blessed abundantly. 
And still they saw the need to what? Continue to be together, to share food together, to share the Lord's table together, to be involved in what teaching they had available from the apostles' doctrine, just to have that camaraderie together and to pray together. They were continually committed to it. Our tendency, again, as I said, when we're getting blessed, is probably to pray less when it shouldn't be. Why should we be praying even when God's blessing? Because of our relationship to God. Prayer is so that we increase that relationship, more dependence upon him. Because of our relationship with other believers, it's commanded. We saw that already in the Old Testament. I mean, excuse me, last week, and I'm sorry, in the New Testament, that Christ commanded us to pray. It's a reminder of our dependence upon God. It is part of our worship. Prayer is as vital a part of worship as giving is. It's as vital a part of worship as studying the word of God together. And we need to see that. In prayer should be thankfulness for what God is doing. It is referred to as a blessing in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So in time of blessing, the pattern didn't change in the New Testament. The people got together. What is our excuse for not getting together? I don't see where Paul or Peter accepted the fact that, well, I, I'm not comfortable in, in praying in front of people. How's your prayer life privately? Do you pray? Why is it that you can't pray? Why is it that we can't pray one for another? We need to come together and pray. Then the, then the other one is, how about during trials? Did things change then? Go to Acts chapter 12. What is the point this morning? The first part of prayer was to see the importance of praying, period. We should be praying. We should be asking God. We should be seeking him individually. But also this morning is to see the need to come together, to come together to pray with other people in the body of Christ for the needs, not even dealing with the depth of what we should be praying for. But the pattern continued even when there was in trials. In Acts chapter 12, if you go down to, let's see, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison. I would call that a trial. Wouldn't you? What happened? But prayer for him was being made fervently by whom? Come on. The church to God. The ecclesia. It wasn't just individual. They were together praying for a need there. They saw the need to come together to pray. And they were praying. He was in prison. They were praying. Who was? The church. Were they together? Look at verse 12. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was called Mark, where how many? Many. What were they doing? They were gathered together. And what were they doing? Praying. Many of them were. They saw the need. They needed to pray. Interesting thing on this particular context is, and I, I would encourage you to read from verse 5 all the way down to verse 19. They're praying for him to get out of prison or whatever they're praying for, maybe strength, and we don't know the details, but they're praying for Peter. Peter gets released, comes, knocks on the door, and says, hello, I'm out of prison. And they say, you must be a spirit. You can't possibly be. And they uh, don't listen to the woman that says, hey, Peter's at the door. No way. 
The Lord answers prayer and they can't even see it. And then obviously they rejoice afterwards and so forth. But here they were praying for something. God answers prayer and they, they see the answer to prayer and they didn't even want to admit to it for a, for a moment there until she recognizes his voice and then they see them and then they rejoice. But even in the time of trial, they came together. Turn with me to Jude, small book of Jude, just before the book of Revelation. I'd like you to go to verse 20. Did we do this all justice this morning? Well, we had so much time, but I think you get the point. In Jude 20, and there's only one chapter, so you should be able to find it. But you, brethren, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. What does Jude say? Praying in the Holy Spirit. How do you build up one another? Just by studying the word? No. Book of Jude's a fascinating book in dealing with that small little chapter about the apostasy that was going on and contending for the faith and the things that they were supposed to be doing. And he comes right back to the believers as he's getting them ready to wind down the book. And he talks about those who were actually causing divisions just before this and they're actually without the Holy Spirit. He says, that's not the case with you. Build yourselves up. How do you do it? By praying. And he's not looking for some mystical experience here, but by praying together as a body. We need to be in prayer. In the passage in Ephesians chapter 6, last passage, well, second to last that I'll have you turn to. This was our responsive reading. Please go there. Ephesians chapter 6. We all know about the armor of God. Put all on, on the whole armor. Why? We're in a battle. And we need to guard. And that comes out of the Old Testament that Paul call, calls upon some Old Testament scripture to use the illustration of being girded with truth and, and our loins and so forth. And he, he goes through that. But he comes all the way down to verse 18. Most people stop at verse 17 after the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. But then he says this, with all prayer and petition. Who's he writing to? The local church at Ephesus. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. With this in view, what? Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition, not just for yourselves. In fact, he doesn't even say for yourselves. He says for all the saints. That Ephesian church was called together to put on the armor on a daily basis to face the battle and to be involved in petitioning for all the saints, verse 19, and pray on, on my behalf. Why? For the utterance that he could speak the mystery of the gospel with boldness and perseverance like he ought to speak right through verse 20. What are we saying? Part of that involvement was not just putting on the armor for help for ourselves, but the praying and petitioning for all the saints. And we need to do that. So what do we need to do? We set as an objective as we go into the year from our annual church meeting that one of the things that we want to see is for our lives to be more effective individually in praying and also corporately in praying. What does that mean? God calls us. He commands us to pray. Ask. It'll be given to you. Seek. You will find. Knock and it will be opened. 
Yes, that's great. But also the pattern was set in the early church for all the believers. They saw that it wasn't just independence. When God's blessing, they were together. When they were waiting upon God, they were together. When trials were there, they were together. And in all circumstances, they were praying. And those are just samples of what was going on. To see how the body saw, I need people to pray for me. We need to pray for others. We need to pray for what God's doing. We need to pray for the power of the word of God. We need to, to pray for the needs of all the other saints and, and to be involved in that. And so guess what? I'm going to end with another memorization verse. You say, if your time's up, you can't do it. Oh, yes, I can. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's another easy one. Let's go there. If you can't pray with the rest of the body of Christ, this is personal opinion, but I'm going to say it, you should be embarrassed because you should want to pray. You should see the need to pray and not worry. What are you worried about what you're going to say? Well, you know, with other people there, who are you praying to? You're praying to them or are you praying to God? Are we praying for the body? We'll learn how to pray by practicing prayer. Your verse is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I will read it, you will repeat it, and then we will memorize it. Just as we had one word with three letters, ask. Now we got another verse we saw last week and this week. It's verse 17. Here it is. Pray without ceasing. Come on, let's repeat it. That's not that hard. Pray without ceasing. Again. Pray without ceasing. One more time. Pray without ceasing. Everybody's looking up here. Nobody's looking at your Bible. What is it? Pray without ceasing. My God help us as we move forward in this year. Simple truths. This isn't anything last week and this week was not anything new to 90% of you. But let us ask. Let us come before the throne of grace. Let us come together continually devoting ourselves individually, corporately to pray so that we're praying without ceasing. Paul also in the same passage said, pray for us. Why? We all need it. We need it and we need to be involved in it. Might God help us this year as we try to make some adjustments, as we try to make some improvements. I challenge you all with this and I'm challenging myself to think about how my prayer life is and ask God to help me improve my personal prayer life and my concept of getting together with the body. Whether that be through what we suggested to you, ad hoc groups where you're meeting with other men or women or you're meeting as families to pray. Or you're coming together when you can make it. That's why we're designing it so that in January, once a month, we're gonna look for that to come together so we can have children praying, teens praying, men, women praying, and we can be praying together for God's work among us, through us, and around the world. May God help us to be praying without ceasing. Let's pray. Our Father in God, I thank you and praise you for the privilege of prayer. Lord, we can talk about being instant to prayer. We can talk about praying without ceasing, but it's another thing to do it. Father, you bless us so many times. We see the early church, after you left them, while they were waiting and obeying you, they 
saw the need to pray together. That when you bless them and even 3,000 get saved, that they were continually devoting themselves to what we did today, reminding themselves of the sacrifice of the cross, coming together as an assembly, and also praying, fellowshipping around your word, and fellowshipping around prayer. Help us to be individuals that pray, to be an assembly that sees the need for corporate prayer. Help the men of this church to be leaders in prayer, leaders by example, leaders in their families, leaders in this local church. Lord, I pray that would be more than just students of theology, that would be men that lead by example, who study the word and pray, who take the leadership and can be seen leading our families, leading in the local church. We pray, Father, you'd help us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, that people would see that need. So much today as we see the time of the Lord Jesus Christ returning, as we see the day and age in which there's so much desertion from the local body, help us to see how we need one another. And I pray that our prayer life would truly, as a local church, be sweet incense before you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.